Amen. You may be seated, Calvary students. <clears throat> well, welcome once again to Remedy, our midweek gathering opportunity for you all to come and worship and, and dive into God's Word together. Uh, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles on your physical copy, if you're extra holy, if not, you can go ahead and look that up on your phone. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3 will be in verses 1 through 6. So last week we started a brand new series uh, in the book of Hebrews. We went over Hebrews chapter 1. Uh, we are talking about how Jesus complete, like the series is called Complete, and how we are complete in him. Not only that, but how Jesus completes our lives. He completes the tasks that were uh, set before him. He completes the prophecies and all that good stuff. Last week we talked about how Jesus was supreme over everything and everyone and, and all things that we could think of. He's, he's supreme. He's greater. We talked about how he's God's perfect reflection, how as Jesus was here on earth, we could see God in him, the characteristics of God through Jesus in, the, in human form and in, in, in man, flesh and bone. We also talked about how Jesus is actually God himself. We, we looked in scripture and how Jesus is, is called this person that has the same authority that only God would have. Hence, that makes us to lead and believe that Jesus is, in fact, God himself. And today, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And in this chapter, we're going to see specifically what it means for us uh, to have a person like Jesus and continue to talk about how Jesus is supreme in all things and how he's a great leader like a lot of people that are in the Bible, how he, he, he leads well like most people in the Bible, but how his leadership is above that and how his death and resurrection allows us as people, as human, as sinners to receive grace and forgiveness. And rather than, than punishment from falling short of his commands, we receive his salvation. So, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And I'm going to go through this very quickly so that we can get to see group times and you can have some awesome conversations. Verse 1 says this. Therefore, and every time there's a therefore, remember that there's something before that, right? So if you're reading your Bibles and you read a therefore, look before what is said. And so if you read chapter 2 at the end, it talks about Jesus and what he's done, right? What he's done for us. And what that means for us. So it says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling. Now I want to stop right, right there very, very, quick, very quickly. Because in chapter 3, it's very important for us to remember every time we read scripture that we are looking to see what God is trying to tell us or what God is telling us, not trying, what he is telling us in his word. And the author of Hebrews is being specific to, to a group of people and wanting them to know first and foremost, therefore, because of what Jesus has done, those of us that have repented and believed in him okay, and have surrendered their lives are holy. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters. Okay, holy. Are we holy? What does that even mean? What is holy? What's the point? How do I know if I'm, if I'm holy? Well, we know we're holy because Jesus is the standard of holiness, first of all. Holiness is being set apart, right? Something that is, is different, but different to God's standards, okay? 
The standard is God himself. The standard is Jesus. And Jesus came in human form, died on a cross, and lived a holy and righteous life so that we may be made holy. Okay? Our righteousness and holiness comes from Jesus himself, not from us. There's, again, there's nothing we can do to be saved or receive righteousness except through what Jesus has done. And if we are not living a life of holiness, then we got to ask ourselves, am I really a Christian? Am I really someone who has repented and believed in Jesus? Am I, am I someone that is, is seeing a transformation within my own life? Because if not, then, then, then what, what, what's missing? What's wrong, right? What, what is happening? God makes us holy. Now, I'm not saying that we're perfect. I'm not saying you're not going to mess up. Right? But there is something within every person's heart and soul that has repented to Jesus that says, I, I hate being in this sin. I cannot stand continuing to mess up. I cannot stand that I'm acting like my former self. But we have to remind ourselves daily that because of Jesus, we are holy. Okay? Because of him. So there's this weird balance of like, well, Eli, you're saying that we're not saved by works. And we're not. I 100% agree with you. But then, Eli, you're saying that we're called to be holy. And yes, we are. But the beauty of it is that on both sides, Jesus is that answer. And that's very important. I'm going to keep going. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling. Not only does he call us holy, he calls us sharers of a heavenly calling. Uh, how many of you guys love group projects? How many of you guys can't stand group projects? Okay, the people who can't stand group projects, what are some of the main reasons why you hate group projects? Really quickly. Okay, it's hard. You're not creative, okay. You gotta rely on other people, right? You do all the work. Go ahead. They want to do one thing while you want to do another. Okay, the point, here's the thing. In college, I, had, I was part of a communications class called group, uh, group communication or group, uh, I forget what it's called. Uh, anyway, it was about groups, okay? The whole class was about working with groups. And at the end of the semester, we had a group project, okay? One of the most frustrating things, and, and, and Cher said this, is that some people want to do the work. Some people don't want to do the work. And I was one of those that did do the work um, most of the time. <laughs> Not all the time. I was in groups where I didn't do much work too. But the frustration that I had when we did all this work, there was one person, we did all this work. We met every week. We had a presentation. And literally a week before, one of our group members who hasn't shown up the entire time and has been frustrating us, right, sending us whatever they can, little by little, whatever, like mediocre stuff, comes in and says, hey, uh, what do I do? I'm like, bro, it's a week before we present, and now you want to put this much effort? Man, I was so upset because we had a great presentation, and we got an A+. Plus. Like, we killed it. And the person that never showed up got the, same, got the same exact grade as us. Would you guys think that's fair? No. Absolutely not. You see, that guy's like, no, uh, it happens to me all the time. 
I'm the one to the front. Absolutely not. It's not fair. But the beauty of the gospel, okay? Okay, think, again, think of that. The beauty of the gospel is this. Even though we did nothing, absolutely nothing, to deserve the grade, aka to deserve salvation, right? Jesus still allowed us to be a part of the team as well. He not only allows us, but invites us even though he knows that there's nothing that we can really add. And so what Jesus is doing is saying, I'm, I'm a human just like you. Of course I'm God, right? But he, I'm, I've come down to earth to be tempted just like you, right? To be, to be thrown with, with different things at my life so that I could fail. But the thing is, I did not fail. I did all the work for you, I put every drop of blood and sweat and stress into this big moment where I died on the cross and resurrected back to life and proved that I am the real Messiah and you are invited even though you didn't do anything and you couldn't do anything to deserve or to receive this salvation. Not only that, but the calling that he has on us is big as well. The Great Commission, right? How many of you guys know what that is? A lot of you know what that is because we always talk about it because that's what we're called to do. What's our calling? Everybody's like, what's my calling? What's my calling? Matthew 28, that's your calling. Go therefore and make disciples, who knows the rest? Of all nations. Yes, okay, yes. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, right? And, and, and we're called to do that. And the thing is, it's, that's so cool is that again, Jesus, a lot of us always think, well, uh, what can I bring to the team, right? What, what, what can I do? Like, I, I can't even speak. I can't even look at a person. Like, I'm always looking down, right? Or if I, <laughs> if I go up to someone, my hands are all clammy and sweaty and I shake them, they look at me like, dude, that's gross. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, oh, well, I can't add anything to the team, right? Everybody thinks that way sometimes, but the beauty of it again is at the end of the Great Commission, Jesus is something very powerful. He says, but I will be with you always. Jesus says, not only uh, does he say, no, I can use you, right? Not only does he say, hey, no, you can be a part of this team. He says, I want you. There's a big difference between saying, no, I can use you. He doesn't need you, but I can use you. But bigger than that, he says, I want you. That's two very, very big, like it's a big difference between I can use you and I want you. Do you hear what I'm saying? A lot of the times in, in, in church ministry and things like that, we're always saying, I can use this person. You can play this. You can sing that. But, but man, if we were to be at church, this is, I want you to be a part of this team. I want you the same way that Jesus wants you right, to surrender your life and to love you the way that we're meant to be loved by God. But because of sin, it's hard to do, right? But Jesus comes and dies so that we could be a part of that team, so that we could also be used because he wants us to be used. And then it says this, verse 3, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, Right? So now we know what our identity lies in. We're brothers and sisters who are holy because of Jesus. And we have a calling because God wants us. Then he says, consider Jesus. 
Consider Jesus. Therefore, brothers and sisters who are holy and have a calling, consider Jesus. When you think of the word consider, you know, I'm not sure what you think, but what I think of was like, there are options that I need to consider, right? Um, Man, I'm considering either going to Whataburger or going to Pizza Hut or going to the greatest pizza place in the world, Peter Piper. Um, like I'm, th- those are things that I consider. Josh is shaking his head like, no, Peter Piper is the greatest pizza of all time. I don't care what anybody says, and you can't say otherwise because I'm up here. <laughs> no. Anyway, right? So those are things that I'm considering, right? But why am, I con- why am I considering them? Because I'm considering them because there's something that I can gain from it. There's something that I love, and there's different options that I can consider. But in this context... If we look at the original language, right, which I'm being a little nerdy, but this is really cool. Um, I have a quote and it says this. It says, to consider something, it does not mean simply to look at or notice a thing, right? Anyone can look at a thing, right? Like anyone can look at different options without really seeing it. The word means to fix the attention on something in such a way that its inner meaning, the lesson it is, a, it is designed to teach, may be learned. In other words, Jesus, consider Jesus. It's saying to fix our attention on Jesus. I had a conversation earlier with some friends about how everybody thinks Jesus as a certain way right? Everybody thinks Jesus is this nice guy who loves people and just wants to bless. And he is. But when you look at the cross, do we ever again think of the blood? Like, does anybody can't stand looking at blood? Yeah. I, I, man, whenever I, oh, I hate going to the doctor and they take out blood and, and I'm like, I, like, I, I literally am so weak. Like, I faint. Like, I could, I, I don't faint, but I feel like I could if I saw enough blood. But that's the thing. Like, if I were to consider Jesus, that, that means I have to consider looking at the cross and looking at his flesh being torn. I have to consider looking deep at his crown that is punctured with holes where blood is dripping down the side, I have to consider looking at his mom who's watching his son, her son, die. That's dark. That's heavy. But when I look deep into the crucifixion of Jesus, what is he really telling me? What is he really showing me? Well, he's showing me a lot of things. But the biggest thing is his love. For the world. There's a deeper meaning in that. And as we consider Jesus, we consider the different things that it says here in verses uh, one through six. It says, uh, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to the one who appointed him just as Moses was in all his household, in God's household. For Jesus is considered 
worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God, a.k.a. Jesus. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household as a testimony to what uh, would be said in the future, but Christ was faithful as son over his household. Moses was faithful as a servant, but Christ was faithful as a son over the household. Jesus wasn't a servant. He was over the household. And we are that household if we hold on to our confidence and hope in which we boast. So very quickly, number one, consider that Jesus is the perfect apostle. Jesus is the perfect apostle, a.k.a. ambassador. Ambassador. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador is sent by a nation or something, and it represents and, and, go, and goes with a message and is an ambassador of this nation. Well, Jesus himself is the perfect representation of God. Not only is he the, the perfect reflection, as we talked last week, he's the perfect representation. In other words, he is the perfect sacrifice. He is the one that, 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 that shows us that God loves us so much that he sent him, Jesus himself, as the great ambassador. Consider that God loves you so much that he sent Jesus. Consider also how important it is for you to pay attention to God's ultimate apostle who is in Christ. So consider Jesus as the apostle, which means fixing our eyes on the fact that deep within the crucifixion is also knowing that Jesus is the perfect apostle. Consider that Jesus is the great high priest. Remember, priests were very popular. Priests were appreciated. Priests were, were looked at as the greatest person that would mediate between them and God, right? If they wanted to, to talk to God, they would talk to a priest, and the priest would do that. Like that, that was who the priest was. But Jesus is the great high priest. Jesus is the one who supremely represents us before God and who represents the Father to us. It's back and forth. We don't longer need to go to, to some person and say, can you go talk to God for me? Because we have direct access to him now because of who Jesus is and has done. God loves you so much to give you a great high priest in Jesus. Consider that if such a great high priest is given to us, then we must honor and submit to this high priest who is Christ Jesus. Jesus is breaking the religious mindsets, or has broken the religious mindsets of people that relied on priests to act as the perfect mediator for God. And we now have access to him by the power of the Holy Spirit. Last but not least, Jesus, consider that Jesus is the savior of our confession. He's an ambassador. He's a, he's a perfect apostle, but he's also the savior of our confession. Um, Christianity is a confession made with the mouth. Romans 10 says that we confess that Jesus is Lord and that we need a savior. We will be saved. Every time, um, you know, when you go in a courtroom, if you get, if you ever get convicted of something, please don't do anything that will get you convicted and go to jail. But when you're in a court, if you're in a jail or whatever, and you're talking to the person, people always say you have the right to remain silent. Anything you do will be held you against, will be held against you in the court of law or whatever, right? Whatever the saying, the Miranda rights. Where's Miranda? The Miranda rights, right? Those are what they read to you whenever you get handcuffed, okay? 
You have the right to remain silent. We have the right to remain silent. We don't have to open up and confess our sins to people. We don't have to do that. But notice that the only way that we're saved is through confession itself. With our mouths. When we confess our sins and we say, I am guilty, we are saying that God, I am saying and declaring with my own words that I agree with you that I am indeed a sinner and that the standard of righteousness is in fact you and I'm also agreeing with my confession that I'm in need of a savior and when we confess that we're also confessing the fact that Jesus within our confession is our savior does that make sense? When we confess, we are agreeing with God's standards, and within that agreement, Jesus immediately comes as our Savior. We say the same thing about it that God does in regards to salvation. All Christians say the same thing about their need for salvation and God's provision in Jesus. And at the end of it, being a good person won't save us. None of us are perfect, and only God is, and he can be the only one that offers us forgiveness. As we read in the book of Hebrews, we're going to continuously see that Jesus is the answer to everything. We're going to continually see that Jesus is supreme. He was greater than Moses. And for a lot of people, Moses is like the biggest person you could think of. No, no, no. He's greater than him. He wasn't a servant. Like, like, like Moses was just a servant over the household. But, but, but this is that, that Jesus was over the household. That he built the household. He's greater than that. So consider Jesus as the perfect apostle, ambassador. Consider him, right, as, as, as uh, the, the perfect representation of God. Consider him as our confession. Consider him as our savior. Consider him as everything and anything that we'll ever need in life. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for tonight. I pray, Father, that as we Continue to read in Hebrews that we'd be reminded, Father, that ultimately you are the only one that can save us and give us forgiveness for our sins. And we pray, Jesus, if there's anyone in here that, that right now needs you, Father, that you would show up in a huge way, that you would reveal yourself and that, that, that people would come to know you, Jesus, and they would come to repent and believe and confess with their mouths that you are indeed Lord and that we are in need of a Savior. It's in your name we pray. Amen.